Hello and welcome to the podcast, ufowarning.com. If you haven't been by the site, stop by and check it out, ufowarning.com. And while you're there at the site, we've just installed a digital tip jar. So if you're feeling generous, check that out too. Today's case, well actually two cases, I come from Finland. I was online looking around doing a little research and I hadn't really realized what a hot spot that Finland is for UFOs. Now, most of you probably already know where Finland is at. It's uh, very northern Europe, northeastern Europe. If you look on a map and you look where the uh, central European countries are at, such as uh, Holland, Germany, and that, and look north toward the North Sea there, uh, you'll see those three uh, peninsula-shaped pieces of land that jut into the sea. And Finland would be on the very east of that landmass, quite a ways north. The first case happens uh, in August uh, 15th, 1993. Now, this would have been not too long after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And Finland only seems to have a population of about 5.5 million today. And from what I was able to research on Finland, uh, from clear back in 1917 or 18, when they first became independent from Sweden, uh, through World War II and, the, uh, and dealing with the Soviets, while trying to remain neutral. Uh, it seems like this country has really uh, done amazingly well for itself as far as uh, going from an agrarian economy into a manufacturing economy. And they actually have quite a high standard of living now. It looks like the GDP is around $50,000 a year. But even in 1993, it seems like a lot of people there might have had a simple life that kind of comes across in some of these interviews. And the interview that happened, the that the event actually that happened in August 15th of 1993 happened in the far north of the country. Now, the woman there interviewed a couple sisters, and I have the video of this um, embedded on the website. You should go by and stop by and check it out, ufowarning.com. And these two sisters, at that time, was, looks like it's about 10 years after the fact. They appear to be maybe in their 60s or even 70s. They describe how uh, they're living there. Uh, it's in a very remote uh, rural area. And uh, they'd watch the news and then gone to bed about 10 o'clock at night. And then sometime before uh, 1, 1.30, the one sister uh, describes how they see a large uh, ball of light appears outside the window. And it's hovering out there like 19, 9 or 10 feet off the ground. And then the light, of course, this gets their attention. And uh, they're at the window. And from the description... Um, the sisters, as afraid as they were, they were still curious enough that they went outside of this uh, little house they lived in out in the country, and they went out to see what this was. And uh, there's a little bit lost in translation because they're speaking whatever people speak in Finland. <laughs> they're not speaking English, and but you can read the you can read the subtitles. And they describe how they went outside and how frightened they were, and they were so frightened to the point that they didn't think that they that they would even be alive the next day. But they were transfixed by this object, this large orange fireball that appeared um, a little ways off in the distance. They didn't describe how the light uh, shifted shapes into a large triangle shape. And we hear this a lot in these UFO stories uh, where that involves shape shifting. Starts out as a sphere. They're looking at this intensely bright sphere. I don't know, from the sounds of it, it must be 20, 30 feet across, just like a giant orange luminous beach ball almost and then this thing right before their eyes shifts into a large triangle shape that's up over their heads 
and then it continues to change shapes. Now she says she describes how it, it uh, sh uh, its shape shifted into that of a roof. And under the roof, it was almost like a room appeared. So what this thing has done is it's moved into the area, this energy force or whatever you want to call it, and this large luminous ball, and then it shifts into this triangle shape. It's almost like it's transferring its energy into a new shape. And from a triangle shape, it shifts into a room with the roof on top, and it's built these like translucent walls that come down from the roof. Then she describes two beings that appear that are walking around in this room, taking soil samples and plant samples. And she says something else that's really interesting that's, that's, that fascinates me. She describes how they're not walking at a normal pace that you'd expect people to be walking if they were, say, walking around picking flowers or picking up soil samples. But she describes how they were moving at a hyper speed. It's almost as if this thing is crossing dimensions, dimensions of time and dimensions of space. And her and her sister were witnessing this, and they just seemed like normal um, farmer-type elderly women. And you can really see the fear in her voice and her eyes as she describes it. This doesn't look like a person who's lying. doesn't look like a person who's trying to put you on. She's telling you what she saw. They saw this large, luminous, intensely bright ball 20-30 feet across. They see this thing settle down in the distance. They go outside. They track it down. They watch this huge luminous bright ball transfer itself into a triangle shape suspended in space. And as they're watching they're just completely aghast. They see this triangle shaped object in the sky change its shape again. Now this time it takes on the shape of a roof, and as they, it takes on the shape of a roof, it's, they can see the light, bright light coming down from it. Just imagine this, this roof, this plexiglass roof suspended in space 15, 20 feet off the ground with this intense bright light coming down in from, from it. And to the point where it's as if it has translucent walls built around it. It's claiming the space. You know, lots of people have had uh, close-up experiences with these UFOs. And a lot of times what you see when you see these things is you see this intense bright light. It's, and the light itself has a quality that's hard to describe. It's the closest thing that I can think of to describe it would be like uh, lights on a movie set maybe. It's as if the light is so bright that there's nowhere for a shadow to be at. It's, it's a very strange uh, feeling to be around it. And it's a very uh, strange thing to see. So they're watching this light come down. They're seeing this area lit up in a very well-defined area. And then they see these two beings appear. They just seemingly appear out of nowhere from the sounds of it. And then they see them picking up the uh, samples, climb back up into the roof area, and then they're gone. But the interesting thing about this is, is that the speed that they're moving with, she describes it as hyperspeed. So it's, we're, watching, we're watching this... Um, phenomenon. We're watching it change shapes. We're change dimensions. But at the same time, we're watching it uh, go through time. And actually, it's almost as if the sp we see it as speed. But what we're actually seeing is we're seeing time go by. 
is what I think. These two beings were walking around picking up samples, and it's not that they're moving so fast. It's that they're, it's, it's almost as if they're in a different time where they appear to us as though they're just zipping around, you know, 100 miles an hour. But in reality, this could be because of the speed at which they're traveling. I mean, we know that speed and speed and time are relative. So it, that's what I find the most fascinating thing about this case is about is about what she describes as speed. But what really what really seems to be happening is is that the dimension of time is being manipulated, or maybe it's something as simple as is that we we are in our time and they are in their time, but because they're moving at a speed of light or near the speed of light, their time is either sped up or slowed down. That's what seems so strange about it, is that this, this manipulation of not just matter and material, but the manipulation of time. Now, there was another uh, case here that came up in uh, Finland from a while back. And this one here... Oh, okay, this one here was about a husband and wife. And this happened in this is Kusamo, 1971. And uh, was, this is, I've got a link here, and it's, it's from uh, one of the UFO uh, organizations. They've posted this online, and they've got multiple Finland cases here. But this one was interesting, too. Um, this happened in 1971. It says it was near the Russian border. So there was an aspect here of uh, the military could have been involved, whether it was the Russian military or the U.S. military or even the European military. It was kind of a hot spot for that. It says uh, in the years of 1961 through 70, 1969 through 1971, there was a UFO wave in Pudasvari, Kusama. Anyway, it's in northern Finland as well, I believe. Typical to the UFO flaps and waves is that they mostly happen in mountain areas, the most southern fells or mountains on top, which there were no trees were growing, are in, and this is Pudasjarvi and Kusama, I guess. It says it was an early winter morning on March 1st, 1971, when Mauno and Marti uh, Talala, a country couple, were drinking coffee in their typical one-family house in Sapunki. Sapunki? The Lake Sapunki was hardly seen through their window. There was quite a fierce snowstorm, and you could not see the lights in the windows further than 300 meters. So they're in the middle of a blizzard. You can't see much more than about 400 feet outside. And it says suddenly they saw a very bright light which was approaching from the lake. Now that would get your attention if you're sitting around this little one-room log cabin and you can't see more than, you know, 300, 400 uh, yards away. And all of a sudden you see this really intensely bright light. The light was about 10 meters in diameter. It was moving against the wind. Later, the UFO researchers found out that the moving light had been seen by many people living on the lake. It says that it created breaks of electricity in some houses. It says when the couple looked out after some seconds, they were terrified. The whole yard was bathed in a bright light. First, they thought a fire had started in the yard building. Then they saw that it was a big light ball so strong that it was difficult to look at the object. After some seconds, the light ball rose up and disappeared. The couple went out and saw some signs in the place, above which the strange object had been hoovering. There were some extra materials in the snow, and additionally, a very odd phenomenon. that They call them ice sticks, but what they mean to say is icicles. Icicles upwards, small ice balls on top. 
Normally icicles can be seen on rough, rough edges where the water is dripped and frozen. So they see this intentionally bright um, orb. It's about 30 feet across. And when they go out there, they, it's taken off. And when they go out there, they find icicles. But the icicles haven't dropped down. They're sticking straight up. And then they have little balls on top. Now that is a very strange icicle indeed. Now the writer of this article says, our local UFO club was just that morning going to Pudis Javari to establish a new UFO organization. After hearing about the new UFO case, we decided that half of our group would leave for Kusamo. And later, engineer Adi Kiriveri, the leader of the Pusavari Kusamo investigations collected exact details and materials of the Supunki case. Interviews, written and tape, photos, drawings, and material samples. And then he goes on to, uh, the writer goes on to explain that about half of these samples uh, were sent into the Geological Research Institute, and that's a government uh, agency, and that there was a Dr. Berger Wilk working there, and that he had been uh, famous as one of the uh, doctors that had been allowed to examine uh, the moon rocks brought back from the Apollo moon uh, missions in the U.S. Um, and he was quite famous in Finland for that. It says, when newspapers got to know about the spooky UFO case and the samples sent to Dark Wilk, they interviewed him. Now, apparently he had the samples, and they had taken out some of the ice, icicles they spotted there, and uh, little bits of whatever else they found, and they sent some of these to this Dr. Wilk. And it sounds like he just sat on them. But then as news got around about this sighting, uh, I'm sure that the two, the husband and wife that, that went out and collected the samples, weren't the only people to see this. It says that um, the newspapers began to interview him, and without knowing details and without researching the samples, he, he estimated that the materials were found in Sapunki or dishwater. This is what we see a lot. They send the samples into what's considered to be the establishment guy. Now, he says that he hasn't looked at it, but who knows? I mean, we weren't there in the lab, but the writer assumes that he hasn't. And But we do know that this Dr. Wilk uh, just dismissed them as dishwater. Immediately after the interview, Dr. Milk met his friend who knew more about UFOs. After the meeting, Dr. Wilk tried to withdraw his statement, but it was too late. Now, you kind of wonder what happened there because, so, Dr. Wilk apparently just debunks the sighting, but then after talking to another uh, friend of his who is a, uh, a UFO, a little bit of a UFO expert, we could say, he, w he wants to um, withdraw the sighting, his, his statement. So, you don't know if Dr. Wilk said what he said because he was afraid of peer pressure, and then once he found out that some, some of his uh, contemporaries uh, were okay with the idea of UFOs. Well, then, you know, he wanted to give it a second look, but by that point, it was too late. Now, it says the people there were this, from the village where this uh, sample was taken, they were upset because, uh, as far as they were concerned, throwing dishwater in the middle of your yard uh, was bad manners. Later on, it says Dr. Wilk's assistants told, the material, told that the material sample sent by Engineer Kavari had been on the windowsill for two weeks. Then Dr. Willock had given an order to throw it out without investigation. Now, it seems a little odd that you would just take something like that and throw it out without investigation unless, you know, Dr. Wilk was just afraid of what would happen to his reputation 
if he even entertained the thought that uh, he had material that could have belonged to a, a UFO. We don't really know what was going through his head. But we're told here by the author that fortunately some other samples were sent to other research labs in Finland and in England. In the samples, they found plant cell tissue plus calcium, calcium, uh, or calcium, calcium, iron, chloridium, and titanium, but there was no coli bacteria that normally that normal dishwater contains. So, it sounds like something that you would find in the backyard, except for some of these other strange uh, uh, or rare minerals. Titanium. It's hard to imagine that you would. That, that would be normal to find that in somebody's backyard in uh, you know icicles or rainwater. They go on here, they have a couple other interesting cases. Um, some of them are more documented than others. But I would recommend that as you're, as you're going online and you're uh, doing your UFO research, take a look. There's also uh, a picture up. I had posted it earlier. I think I took it down now. But it is a UFO that was photographed on Google Maps, supposedly, and it's in Finland. And it's one of those that looks like it could be too good to be true, or it could just be true. Um, you, can just, you can just Google it or look it up. It's on Google Maps, uh, Finland UFO, and there's a picture of it there uh, in the neighborhood. You can see this UFO plain as day. Some of those, you know, you just don't know if they're real or not, but they're, they're fun to look at, and it would be even more fun if somebody with some um, expertise in Photoshop could take a look at the picture and see if it looks like it's something that's real or if somebody can go back and take a look at the timestamp on that to find out if that was an actual live um, Google Google map shot or not. Either way, uh, lots of cool stuff out there, and I would highly recommend taking a look at some of the cases in Finland. They're, they're a real fun read. That's it for today. Over and out, UFOWarning.com.